Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's Wednesday, May 18th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Learn how Steamfitters can benefit your business at steamfitters-602.org. Today, Montgomery County, like the entire D.C. region, is experiencing a longer-lasting surge in COVID this time around. WTOP's Kate Ryan tells us how county officials are responding to the uptick in cases. There is absolutely no appetite for going back to mask mandates, at least at this time. And there are some great pairings we all know. Cream and coffee, peanut butter and jelly, and salt and pepper. But how about classical music and video gaming? We talked to the director of our area's Gamer Symphony Orchestra to see how the two play together. You can kind of think of us as a very large, uh, very enthusiastic cover band. Thanks for joining us. I'm Megan Cloherty. And I'm Luke Garrett. Masks are making a comeback as new subvariants of Omicron have COVID numbers climbing in our region. But this time around, instead of mask requirements, we're hearing a different R word from city and county officials. Recommend. Today, we're focusing on the county with the highest vaccination rate in the D.C. area, Montgomery County, to see how it's handling the spring COVID surge. WTOP's Kate Ryan is reporting on the latest from county officials today and has an update on some movement back to masks, possibly. Kate, thanks for being here. Um, Despite the fact that this wave is really the second worst we've seen as far as case counts after the first wave of Omicron, the language we're hearing from county leaders is noticeably lighter. I mean, how is the county approaching this rise in cases? Uh, the, the word, their recommendation is the word of the season right now. And there is absolutely no appetite for going back to mask mandates, at least at this time. I mean, that seems clear. I've asked about that directly several times. At what point do we go, OK, everyone, we're back to mandates and right. crickets. We're not we're not getting mm. word on that. That is not to say that they're not taking this very seriously. And they are asking, look, when you're indoors, when you go to shops, they're telling people when you go to a county office, please mask up. They're telling front-facing workers, put on your masks. It's just the best practice and the best easy-to-use option we have right now, along with vaccinations. But I'd be hard-pressed to say that we're at any that we're at all close to getting back to the kind of mandates we saw before. I just don't see that happening. And so what about schools? You know, those are very specific community and place where COVID can spread and where, you know, rules maybe could be made. Is there any talk of mask mandates in schools? Not mandate, but again, recommendations. And when they are requiring them, we're seeing that at one school, Sherwood Elementary, where the rate, I think, is 12 percent, the COVID reportage rate. And there is concern because people are saying, well, these are self-reported and you have a lot of people who are getting the at-home tests Mm -hmm. and not reporting them. So there is concern that the actual number of cases is much, much higher, both in the community and in the schools. But at this point, again, right now, what the schools are doing is going class by class and saying, "Okay, if we have an outbreak is three kids or three people, because it can include staff, would then be told to mask up, but you're not seeing require, the word requirement or mandate there. Mm. So it, it feels very squishy from right. the outside. 
Um, and of course, they now have their own medical officer. A chief medical officer was hired by the school system. So they are getting input from a medical professional. It's not like they're making this up on their own. Mm. But there seems to be a little bit of confusion, at least on my part as a reporter, on precisely what the benchmark is. And so, Kate, with cases being so high, so high that, you know, in previous waves, requirements have come back, but it's not happening right now. How are county officials squaring these high case numbers with this lighter touch? There are so many things in play, so many ways we have to fight this, because we now have, for example, the test to treat options and the medicines that you can now take. Beyond Paxlovid, there, there are three and four different medications that people can now take or treatments that people can now use. So I think we are not seeing deaths. We are not seeing hospitalizations at high rates. So I think that's why you're not seeing a jump to mandates right now. And it's good to hear Montgomery County schools have a health officer because the county at large does not. Kate Ryan, you broke this story this week that the latest candidate, which I believe was the third, dropped out of the process. Do we know, I mean, what the deal is here? Why the county can't get a health officer? It's uh, First off, it's a tough process. Uh, there are a lot of jurisdictions looking for health officers. It's very much like school superintendents. Hmm. Uh, there's a small pipeline and huge demand. Uh, this latest one was interesting because in the letter that our director of Health and Human Services, Raymond Kroll, wrote to the county council explaining why we don't have a health officer, he explained that, A, there was a personal issue that apparently came up okay. very, very late in the process. And then Kroll went on to write that we need to make sure that we have a competitive package, which suggests that finances and the package that's been offered may not be as competitive as what's going on out there. Mm. They were asked very directly today, okay, how long before we get one? And that's very hard to figure out, but they did say they have a list of people they've previously considered and at the same time will continue to broaden the search. So it's not like they have five others that they thought, well, this good person we'd plug in. Like your go-to, your next go-to. Yeah. yeah. So, and mm. again, very unusual because typically in the past, Montgomery County would be the place you would want to be as a health officer. You've got NIH. You've, you partner with some of the best minds in medicine in the country. So it's very, it's confounding, frankly, that, that we haven't seen this filled yet. And so zooming out a little bit, is summer at risk here? You know, we all <laughs> want a normal summer. From this latest meeting of Montgomery County officials where we're talking about COVID, do you get the sense that anything could, you know, block our plans for summer? Again, because everyone's staying away from mandates, it's become a bit of a third rail. I don't mean to say that it, those couldn't come into play. I mean, who knows what the next, you know, variant could bring. Right. Um, I think it's way too early to say. I know that sounds a little crazy, but I think they have other things they're dealing with. The fallout from COVID is still huge for businesses, socially. We're seeing with our young people, there's a lot going on out there that they're having to tackle. And whether or not we'll ever go back to these kind of shutdowns and, and mandates, that's a big question mark. Kate Ryan letting us know where Montgomery County stands when it comes to COVID as we are seeing cases tick up. Thanks for your time. Thank you. And after the break, we didn't know this was a thing, but you'll hear how video gaming and classical music have come together through a local orchestra. If you want to save money and grow profits on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project, go with the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. You can trust the experience of its workforce, members who have expertise in heating, air conditioning, refrigeration, and process piping to deliver work that's on time and on budget. 
For a partner you can trust, who's mutually focused on your bottom line and to schedule, contact Steamfitters Local 602 at steamfitters-602.org. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602, changing lives. Thanks for listening to the DMV Download Podcast. Megan and I do this show all on our own, and we appreciate you making us a part of your day. If you like the show or have a suggestion, let us know by leaving a review or rating the show. Both of those things help us get better and help us grow our audience. Thanks again. Living in the metropolis that we do, it's not surprising that so many different types of music abound here. But have you heard of the DC Orchestra that plays video game music? The Washington Metropolitan Gamer Symphony Orchestra is a real thing, and it's just as cool as its name sounds. Joining us to tell us about the orchestra, which is looking for musicians, by the way, is musical director Jamin Morton. And Jamin, thank you for being here uh, on Zoom with us. Thank you very much for having me. There are so many of us who love video games, who love music, so combining the two makes perfect sense. How did this orchestra get started and when? Tell us the story. The orchestra actually kind of predates me in a lot of ways. Back in uh, around 2011, 2012, there were a bunch of students at the University of Maryland who wanted to put together a video game orchestra, and they created the UMGSO, or University of Maryland Gamer Symphony Orchestra, doing basically what we're doing now. Uh, when the original founders of that group graduated, uh, they liked it so much, they said, well, we got to keep doing this. And so in around uh, 2013, I believe it was, they founded the Washington Metropolitan Gamer Symphony Orchestra with an initial membership of, I think, around 40 or 50, yeah. and we're up mm. to a, a roughly 120 at nice. the moment. And can you tell us more about this genre of music? You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is like the Halo soundtrack. So do you all play like those sorts of songs? Or do you arrange your own music? The first part of that question is is sort of what kind of music do we play? And the answer is, is you can kind of think of us as a very large, uh, very enthusiastic cover band. So we have played some of the music from the Halo soundtrack. And one of the challenges we have is, is you can't really go online and be like, I'd like the Halo theme for full orchestra. It doesn't exist. Mm. So we have a, a group of very talented arrangers who will take that music, listen to it, and write it down or rearrange it or do other creative things with it wow. so that we can play it. I, let me tell you how far away my skill set is from being able to do that. That sounds like an incredible <laughs> You can do that with any game music? I mean, even going back, like way back in the 80s? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's, it's funny that you, you ask about that. I, uh, uh, oh, gosh, there was, a, there was a, a convention, you know, during the pandemic that was all online, and I ran a panel that was how to write 8-bit music for 64 musicians, where I specifically <laughs> talk about how you can take uh, the, those early chiptunes where there's only three voices, right? Yeah. Or, and you can expand that out for the full orchestra in ways that feel both comfortable and, and can be very interesting. And just to give you an idea of what the orchestra sounds like, here is Sweet from Karen's Crypt that was composed by Tony Manfredonia. And so can you tell us more about your story and how it began? You know, you were mastering the French horn and now you're a music teacher in Montgomery County, as well as having you know, a hand in a few orchestras around the region. Tell us about your story. Sure. Uh, I, was, I was lucky to have a lot of music in my life, a lot of classical music. Uh, my, my father was a, a conductor, and the first memories I have of really liking and enjoying music were 
uh, some of his music that he was conducting and doing and some of the music from the video games I was playing at the time. You know, I was, I think, around seven or eight in second grade when Chrono Trigger came out, which uh, a lot of people will remember that one if they're around my age as, as one of the best soundtracks of the, of the mid-90s for sure. Uh, from there, I just I kept playing French horn uh, because it was my favorite instrument, and I kept playing that and getting degrees in it and getting degrees in education. And um, I found myself here. Uh, teaching is a, a logical choice for anybody who wants to be involved in, with music but is turned off by the incredible level of competition that you'll find in the classical circuit. Um, and I'll give you just one example of that. I did take an audition for the president's own Marine band, wonderful ensemble, wonderful group. There were 85 people there for a single chair and all of them sounded good. Wow. Mm. So when I say intense competition, that that's what I mean. Right. And so it sounds like you and classical music are very close. So can you talk about, you know, how classical music, which has this kind of austere kind of old mm -hmm age kind of feel to it and gaming really mesh together and how they play so well together. One of the things that makes video game music so unique is it's almost genre less. So if you think about a game, uh, let's, let's, uh, one that's, that's on a lot of people's minds right now is Final Fantasy VII. And for it, Nobuo Uematsu, the composer, wrote this sweeping orchestral symphonic main theme. And then he writes a heavy metal rock tune for a boss battle. And then he writes things that are closer to hip-hop for other scenes. Mm. And so in a single game, you actually have the need for many different genres of music. And, and so one of the things that's cool about this is this is a method for us to bring more classical-sounding music to wider audiences. We're simultaneously bringing this symphonic experience to a younger audience, but also bringing a video game music experience to an older one. Well, playing off of that, do you think that video game music is, you know, considered maybe not as serious in professional circles? I'm wondering if this art form is gaining a following and kind of acceptance. Sure. It depends how high up the ivory tower you climb. <laughs> At the, the sort of um, layman level where, where most of us live, I don't think there's a question anymore. You know, the, the BBC uh, for their proms, uh, they're going to have for the first time ever a concert of com just video game music. Mm. When Smash Brothers Melee came out and the Tokyo Philharmonic did a concert of music from that game, that was a novelty. Now that's happening all the time. Mm. So on, on that level, the question of uh, legitimacy or, or artistic legitimacy, I suppose, is, is no longer a question. And so, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a musician, how would you, you know, get involved? I see on your website that the orchestra is looking for musicians and singers. How do you get involved in the gamer orchestra? Um, on our website, which uh, luckily is not the entire title uh, uh, <laughs> uh, written out, it's just the acronym, WMGSO.org. You'll see on the, the bar at the top, there's a bunch of different options. And one of them is join. We're always looking for more singers. Uh, we're always looking for more string players, violin in particular. And strangely, we need low brass, trombones. If you're a, a tenor or a bass trombonist and, and you're looking for something entertaining to do on, on Monday nights and beyond, then, then we could really use that. As much as we need those musicians, we also need 
volunteers and people to do other things. We need people to run the front of house during concerts when uh, the musicians are on stage. Um, we're, a vo we're an entirely volunteer organization. And even if you're not a musician, uh, but you're very interested in what we do, there may be opportunities for you to, to, to do stuff with us. There's no video, no video game, Chris? No, ma'am. Come on. <laughs> you, you don't have to love video games to play with us. You just have to love video game music. I feel, rather, like, I feel like you should give them a fake video game quiz just to see if they're really, <laughs> you know, you got to know the base. How many Super Mario Brothers exactly. are there? In <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you guys have any um, performances coming up, possibly this summer, people could check out? Absolutely. Uh, during the summer, we like to focus on smaller groups. So while it won't be the full orchestra, you can find us using barbershop quartets, string quartets, brass quintets, and the like. And uh, we have a performance coming up at the Weinberg Center in Frederick on July 30th that you can look forward to. Oh, cool. Fantastic. Well, Jamin, thanks so much for bringing us into the world of gaming and symphony music. Mm -hmm. You bet. And before we go, not surprisingly, we're hearing that there are a ton of weddings this year because there were really no weddings, except for mine, just saying, <laughs> in the last two years. Um, not none, but I mean, it makes sense that people waited to get married so they could have their parties and all that. You're going to one, or yes. many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got a lot of weddings this summer. Yeah, back in 2020, there definitely was some wedding blues. Nationally, there was like a 17% decrease, and that kind of mirrored our region, D.C., 17% down, Maryland, 23% down, Virginia, 13% down. So a lot of people pressed pause on um, getting you know, married. Yeah. It makes sense, though, because after you know how much you're going to spend generally, it's a lot of money to spend and not have everybody there. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like I have no... I, I don't feel like I have no idea what goes into a wedding. So educate me, please. No, I mean, it's just, I mean, breaking news, it's expensive. I mean, but it's surprising how expensive the things that you don't think you're going to spend money on. If you're like, oh, I don't want flowers or whatever. There's some churches that like you have to have flowers. Right. Or, you it's know, like there's required. Right. Or there's some venues. Or you that, can't go there. Right. Or you have to get the food through them and you have to pay a cake cutting fee. That's my favorite part. Oh, my gosh. It's like a, there were places I was looking at. It was like four fifty. To cut each piece of cake. Can you just cut the cake or is that not allowed? Uh, it's not allowed. Oh, my Some places. Gosh. So you really have to, you know, watch your budget, man. Wow. I know. I mean, I'm not t I'm not saying anything that's that's new. But for those of you who are not <laughs> it's married. It's new to me. I mean, I've just been floating in this space of ignorance. Of, oh, it will happen. It'll be great. He said earlier, he goes, what, they're like $10,000? I was like, I mean, yeah, if you want to, you know, do it really, 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 really small. Man, that was like, oh, wow, like 10000 bucks. That's like. It's Ooh. a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Well, thank you for um, depressing off you. my rose-colored <laughs> glasses in this I'm sorry. place. And uh, so I got to prep. All right, cool. Good to know. <laughs> and that does it for us on the DMV Download today. We're sponsored by Steamfitters Local 602. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab, and our music is by Real World. Please give us a review and rate the show if you get the chance. And follow us on social media where we post content every day. Super fun. Check it out. You can find out more about the podcast and become one of our VIP listeners at dmvdownload.com. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at wtop.com and on the WTOP News app. Thanks for listening.